0: hello and welcome to the horizon church podcast we exist to see lives transformed through jesus and are located in the heart of surrey bc canada to find out more visit us at horizonchurch.ca we hope this message blesses and inspires you see, uh, it's good to be together uh as we continue this series uh called encounters with jesus uh, and I'm looking forward to you. So if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you, uh, bring your Bible. Maybe it's your digital Bible or your old school paper Bible like me. If you want to turn to John chapter 2, uh, that's where we're going to be hanging out this morning. Uh, so as you make your way there, uh, yeah, it's just a joy uh, to be able to be here this morning and to share. We welcome all those who are online uh, in different places. I'm right now thinking about uh, two people, Addie and Hunter. I'm not too sure if you're watching. I know you're on vacation, but I want to say hello uh, to you guys as you're watching online, even though you're on vacation. That's awesome. Um, but it's good to be together. We also, a big hello to Princeton uh, um, uh, as well. We're so good to be together. One church, many locations, even those who are watching around the world as we continue this series. Uh, what I want to do is I, I love that we're doing a series called Encounters with Jesus. Uh, even the idea is that we can have an encounter with God is an amazing reality that the transcendent God of the universe would actually break into our moments, break into our lives, and that we could know him is an incredible thought. We're so blessed. What a gift that God would actually come and meet and encounter us. And so we want to think about encounters, uh, and not only through the text, but the encounters in our own lives. Encounters are those moments, and they can be dramatic. Today, we're going to think about Jesus turning water into wine. Maybe you've had an encounter where Jesus has healed your physical body. Maybe you've had an encounter where you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've had an encounter where God gave you a vision or a dream. But the reality is, is that we can have encounters every day. That we can encounter and engage with God. We can do it as we read his living word and God speaks to us. That's an encounter with God. This is this amazing gift that we have a God who meets us. This is a wonderful reality. We want to be those that lean in and recognize that we can have daily encounters with the God of the universe. What I want to do first is I want to read the text, get it in front of us as we continue the series. So reading in John uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 1, I'm reading from the ESV. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on this really nice TV. Thank you for all those that made this happen. It's fantastic. And it says this, Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Uh, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants knew who had drawn uh, who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, "Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now." Verse 11, this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This morning, I want to think about the idea of how about encounters bring clarity or encounters, clarify. But before we go further, let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment. God, we recognize that even now we can have an encounter with you. As we read and as we think about your living word, Holy Spirit, you come and speak to our hearts in unique ways. And so, God, I pray that all of us we would open our ears, open our hearts. God, would you come now even open our minds to understand you, that we would have an encounter with you through your living word. Holy Spirit, take my words, where they speak and make much of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, now I thought, uh, considering I'm the chaplain of a, uh, at the Christian school, which means I work with teenagers, uh, and the other day we played a game in chapel. Would you guys be interested in playing a quick game? Anybody? Okay, yes. We're gonna play a game called What's in the box? And I know we have an expert here. Yes, that's Ben, he won the other day. I have a box. The game is quite simple. You have to guess what's in the box. So let me lay out how the game is gonna work. You right now, whether you're in person or even online, you can play the game. If you're online, in the comment sections, Pastor Daniel will relay as best we can uh, your guesses. So this is how the game works you can make guesses and I can only say yes or no, okay? So you'll make a guess and I'll say yes or no and that will help determine what's in this box. If you are the first person to guess what's in this box, you will get, I feel like a youth pastor again, a Starbucks gift card, right? $5 to Starbucks. Whoa, you can't even buy a drink for $5, but I'm gonna, that's the prize. No way. So you need to now start calling out, we're a charismatic church, it's okay to speak in church. Just call out your guests. And again, you first in this, here's the trick. You wanna be general, not just guessing items. Is Is it made out of wood? No. Is it a Bible? No. Is it food? No. Is it, what was that? It's not water, no. You can't wear it. No, you can't wear it. It is not money. You can't eat it. No. This is online. It is not a box in a box. What are some other guesses? What was that? It's not empty. There is something. That's a good guess. He's like, I think I might know where he's going. No, there is something in there. Online, is it green? No. Is it a toy? No. It's not plastic. Someone wants to know, is it wine? No. I thought about it, but it's not. Is it made out of plants? No. Is it bigger than a basketball? No. It does not have a smell. This thing is taking longer. I'm going to give you a quick hint. It's made out of paper. Let's keep on guessing. Is it money? No. A what? It's not a book. No. Not a journal. I couldn't hear. What was that over there? It's not toilet paper. It's the end of the pandemic. Yes. It's not a paper cup. No. Nope. It's not a card. We're going to have to get... It's, do we have to what? No, it's made out of paper. We don't eat with it. It's not tissue. It has pages. It's not a notebook, not a journal. Not a Bible. A dictionary. Daniel, who guessed that question? Luke Perry online, just guess, is it a passport? And the answer is yes, it's my old passport. Well done, Luke. We're going to find a way to email you a gift card because wherever you are, I'm not too sure how to get you that. Now, here's the thing. You might think, man, that was a waste of time. It was a little bit of fun. The reason why we played that game is because every time you made a guess whether it was yes or no, it helped clarify what was in the box. So again, we were going from no one had any clue what was in the box, and the more questions you asked, whether it was a yes or a no, started narrowing down, bringing into focus and clarity what was in the box. Our big thought for today is that encounters with Jesus do the same thing that every encounter we have with God has the opportunity, the capacity to bring greater clarity to who God is, who we are, and the partnership that we share with him. So this morning, we wanna think about how encounters can clarify through this amazing portion of scripture. Again, congratulations, Luke. I'm excited. Make sure you let somebody know online how we'll get in touch with you to get you your gift card. But we wanna think about how encounters clarify. Before, let's just quickly look at the text again. Uh, This is an amazing story. I love it from scripture. It says in verse one, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. This is a, a Tuesday. Day. Random note, there is a wedding happening. We don't know what day the wedding was on. In this culture, weddings could be like up to a week. It was like a really big deal. This was, the whole town came in. This was the biggest moment of anybody's life when they got married. And we find out on Tuesday, that's where we are. So we know that this is a real event. This isn't just the parable. This is a real moment, But what's interesting is that when we, if we were the original readers of this gospel, when it said wedding, when we would think wedding today, we think about, you know, some food, getting dressed up, some people wearing, you know, a white dress and a suit. But in this cultural context, when someone said a wedding or a banquet or a feast, it came packed with meaning. One author says that a a wedding is pregnancy. Of meaning it is full of meaning so we can we should be aware as we come to this text real day real event but also can mean more than what we come to it to be so we recognize there's this wedding that's coming it's a pretty big deal but then we have a problem so again here's a wedding Mary Jesus mom's there Jesus and his buddies are just invited to the wedding And then in verse three, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, again, we read that and think, okay, no big deal. They've ran out of wine. They can go, you know, water or whatever's next. Well, we don't realize, again, in this culture, this was a real big deal. This is an, what's called an honor and shame culture. The fact that they would have ran out of wine, is a re, it's not just like a little faux pas. This is like gonna bring shame on the family. The, the, the married couple here, that's their responsibility to make sure that everyone's provided for, they, they would never live this down. This is actually like a really big deal that they have ran out of wine. But it's more than just that uh, the text here, John writing this, uh, about this story, this encounter with Jesus. It's more than just a big social deal that he's actually pointing to a greater reality that there's something that's ran out of wine. It says that they have ran out of wine. What he's really thinking about here, one of the things he's pointing to is the old covenant and the new covenant. He's thinking about the old covenant, the way that God interacted with people that it's ran out of wine. That that way that God engaged with people as we look in the Old Testament, which means old covenant, those old promises that he had, it's empty that God is going to be doing a new thing and it's being replaced with something much better. Yes. And so we can see that in the text, Jesus comes and replaces that. We, we, we see this in the text. We've ran out of wine. Uh, and the, well, first there's this really interesting conversation. Where, uh, where Jesus' mom says to Jesus, hey, just so you know, they've ran out of wine. And Jesus says to her, woman, why, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, we read that and we're like, scandalous. What did he just say to his mom? But if, when he said woman, it's not, he's not being disrespectful here. He calls other ladies in the text women. This isn't disrespectful. But he is being abrupt with his mom. And it's worth pointing for a second, it's not the main part of the text, but that when Jesus here, it could be, we're not fully sure why he's so abrupt with his mom. It might be that he realizes that now he's talking about his hour. Whenever Jesus thinks about his hour, it means the hour of his death. Jesus is now a that his earthly ministry is about, the, the timer is about to start. Potentially he's being abrupt because he realizes what's ahead of him. It's also possible that Jesus is a little abrupt with his mom because he's telling us something about the, the nature of faith and family. They might have believed that, you know, Mary, because he's Jesus' mom, she has special access. Mary and, the, the, and Joseph and their brothers might have special access with Jesus. That's not how it works. Jesus is saying actually the relationship, the kind, uh, the, the God's family is a family of faith that all of us come into his family through faith alone. So we have this encounter where it's quite quick, but Jesus recognizes that his hour is coming. He's pointing to something, his death coming in the future. So his mother says to the servants, do whatever he tells them. This is a really good way to live your life. (laughs) If Jesus tells you to do something, do it. We just sang songs, I surrender all. That's what it means. And then we have this amazing thing. So Jesus around sees that there's some jars, really big jars. And it, they're for the Jewish rites of purification. This, this is important. Jesus is being very intentional here. In all the gospels, we understand that Jesus is fully in control. Jesus is never out of control. And this is, there's an intentionality to this being his first miracle. So Jesus takes and comments about how they've ran out of wine and then grabs these, there's these large pots for purification, which is part of that, again, that old covenant, that old way that God dealt with people, dealt with sin, engaged with humanity. And he, this comment comes is that they're empty. So what happens is they fill them with water. And then what does Jesus do? I I love it. We don't even get the sense that Jesus prayed for it. This wasn't hard for him. Did you know miracles aren't hard for Jesus? Uh, He can do them, no problem. But they fill them and then that water, a hundred, like this might be, they talk about gallons. They had different measurement systems. This is a lot of wine, like 120 gallons of wine. And it's been turned from water into wine. And what's happened is Jesus is communicating something is that what was that old way of doing things, that old covenant was empty. Jesus then fills it and then turns it into his wine. There's now a new way that he's going to come and bring about purification for people. One author says it this way. You could say that the water is like a relationship with God under the old covenant. And the wine is like a relationship with God under the new covenant. The wine was after the water. And in the same way, the new covenant is after the old. When we read our Bible, there's an old or the first covenant, and then there's a new covenant. The wine was from the water. The wine was from the water, and the new covenant is from the old covenant. There's ways that the old covenant and the new covenant are connected. And also, we, we, we can recognize this, that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law but he came to fulfill the law. And we see this in this actual picture. Jesus fulfills this old way of doing things, but then not only transforms it, but he does it in abundance. And he comes and says, I have a new way. But here's the thing. The old covenant is like the water. It's good. But Jesus brings new wine that's better that's superior. We live today in the new covenant, better promises, better hope because of Jesus. He has fulfilled the old and now we live in a new and better promise. So that's part of what's happening in this text is Jesus is speaking about the, the reality of the old way is it's empty, but now he brings a new way and he fulfills it himself. Now, the, we, we, we recognize that happens at the, after this has happened and the, they call the master uh, of, the, uh, of, the, uh, uh, of the dinner to come and to come and test the wine and take a look at it. And Jesus speaks and finds some servants to help him. We discover that even though there is a master of ceremonies of sorts, Jesus is in charge. He's the one that actually knows what's going on. Even though he was an invited guest, he really is the one that's in charge. And then it says in verse 11, after they've had experienced this new and better, this superior wine that surprises them, it says this in verse 11, this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested, someone say manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. There's three things I want to look at from this text. First, it says, this is the first of his signs. Notice it doesn't say miracle. John, who's the author of this gospel, prefers to use the word signs because it's not so much about the miracle, about what it's pointing to. This is a sign that's pointing to something else revealing something else, bringing clarity to something else. This miracle, this sign, water into wine, it says it manifested his glory, manifested or revealed or clarified who Jesus is. There's something about this encounter that's actually bringing clarity. It's pointing to something better. It's helping us understand. And then it says the disciples believed. What? They already believed. But what it's indicating is that they actually now have a greater belief because they understand who Jesus is more clearly. The thing we need to know today is that encounters clarify. And that's what this whole thing does. It reveals, it it shows who Jesus is. It's a sign to something else. Because here's the thing, we need greater clarity this side of heaven. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, for we now see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Here's the reality. This side of heaven, we don't see everything perfectly clear, but here's a great gift from God that every encounter we have, there's an opportunity that we would see him with greater and greater clarity. That's what Jesus hopes for us. In the gospel of John, Jesus is going to take religious institutions and symbols and activities and then speak and say how he fulfills them, how he replaces them, makes them better. And he wants to reveal who he is to those who are following him. So, what I wanna do now, there's three main points that we have in our moments that we have together. First is this is that encounters do clarify, and they clarify at least three things that we wanna look at today. The first is this is that encounters clarify who Jesus is. So when we have an encounter, much like this one, it can be a way that we can know who Jesus is more clearly, just like getting a better prescription for our glasses, the hope with an encounter is that we would come and understand Jesus more clearly. There is at least two things or two ways that we see Jesus more clearly in this text. The first is this, is that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is very intentional. He's been quietly getting ready for 30 years just growing in favor, growing as a carpenter, doing his thing, but no public ministry. This first sign, this first big miracle, what it does is is it sets the stage for the ministry that he's going to be part of. It's not an accident that this happens at a wedding, at a festival, And the reason is this, Jesus is trying to communicate that I'm the Messiah. He's the one that's come to rescue God's people. In this culture, uh, they understood that when the Messiah comes, there was always this picture of a festival, of a feast, of a wedding coming. That's what they were anticipating when the Messiah comes. And Jesus comes and announces to everyone in his first miracle at a wedding on purpose to indicate, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. It says this in Isaiah 25. Now again, this is, again, the prophets speaking about when the Messiah comes and it says this, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food. Sounds like a pretty good feast, a pretty good uh, party to be at. A feast of well-aged wine. So again, these people are waiting for the Messiah to come. And this is one of the markers that the Messiah has come of rich food full of marrow. Oh, praise the Lord for fat. Uh, There's some good food at his meal. And again, second time of aged wine well refined. Here's this water into wine. Here's this wedding banquet. Jesus is communicating, clarifying. He is the Messiah. And he will swallow up on this mountain uh, the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all their faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken." Jesus is clarifying he is the Messiah. He is the one who's come to take away our pain, or take away the sins of the people, to wipe away tears from their eyes. Really great news is that we're actually still waiting for the fullness of this prophecy. Did you know that Jesus' first miracle was a wedding feast with wine? Guess what the first thing that we're going to do when Jesus returns and restores all things? We're going to have a wedding feast with really good wine. There is great hope that is awaiting us, this amazing joy in the future. When Jesus returned, he is coming with a party. He's coming to celebrate, to set all things right, and we're gonna do so with a wine, with, with, with new wine that is Jesus is going to bring, with a wedding feast that it speaks about in Revelations chapter 19, so we can look forward with hope. Jesus could have filled any container, but he was very intentional to fill these jars to speak about what he is doing. He's the Messiah, the one who's come to fulfill the Old Testament law, the one who's come to, uh, to set his people free. Jesus is revealing who he is, but he's also revealing a bit about how he rolls. Jesus is the Messiah, but joy is also a marker. Joy is a marker. Did you want to know something good about God's kingdom? It's full of joy. (laughs) This is him speaking about who he is and the kind of kingdom that he's bringing. Wine is a symbol of joy. And so what does he do in his first miracle? Water into wine. The party keeps going because Jesus showed up. The kingdom that we live in is one of joy. I want to remind us that the Christian faith, the new covenant, one of its great markers is that we're just full of joy. There's joy available for you. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Jesus is revealing the kind of kingdom that he has brung and we can taste of this joy today knowing that we will experience in its fullness in the future. But here's the thing is we can taste the joy today because Jesus drank of the cup of suffering that we taste the joy of his kingdom now because Jesus, as it says, when he was in the garden, that he asked, Lord, Father, if this cup could pass for me, this cup of suffering. But Jesus willingly drank of the cup of suffering so that now we can experience a taste of the joy that will come in its fulfillment when we celebrate at a wedding feast with him. So the kingdom is marked by fear. Jesus is the Messiah and joy is a marker. The second thing that we get clarity is that encountering encounters clarify who we are. There's a really great song from a worship group there called Elevation Rhythm. And one of their lyrics in a song says this, knowing you is knowing me. I want to encourage us today in our cultural context that the way that we know ourselves, the best way that we can start that process is by knowing God. We start with who he is, and in light of who he, he is, we discover with more clarity who we are. So we'll, we'll, we'll set that, but encounters do clarify who we are. In this text, we can see at least two things. First is that we are deeply loved. Don't you love that Jesus cared for this couple? Here they're at their wedding. It's kind of their big day. They've got a responsibility to make sure there's enough wine for a week-long feast and all the things that were going on. They run out of wine. This This is a practical problem that could bring shame upon them, but Jesus meets them where they're at and takes care of it. They have a need, and he takes care of a very practical need, which reminds us in the same way that he cared for this family, this couple, he also cares for us. This clarifies that we are deeply loved by God, and he cares even about the everyday realities of your life. We should invite Jesus in. Sometimes we go through challenges. We just think, "Okay, this is just my own thing. Uh, this is kind of practical. I'll just take care of myself." No, invite Jesus in. Jesus deeply cares about you. We need to know that. That this text reminds us that we are deeply loved. Could you just say that if you're online or here? Just say, "I'm deeply loved." Jesus cares about you. I was reading this morning, uh, 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 reading through uh, the Sermon on the Mount and reminded that Jesus cares for the daily things of life, what we're going to eat, where we're gonna, what we're going to wear. Jesus cares about you. You're deeply loved by a heavenly father that wants to meet your needs. And so we can trust in him. We don't have to live in anxiety, but he is going to care for us. We are deeply loved. Here's the thing. Encounters also clarify not only that we're deeply loved, but we also have a deep need. We have a deep need. The jars remind us in this text that we need to be purified. Jesus is intentional in these jars of purification, and which would indicate that we do need to be purified. We have a need that in light of a holy God, that when we see him more clearly, we see ourselves more clearly that we need him and we need his salvation. We need his healing. We need to be purified. When we're honest with ourselves, one author, Tim Keller, uh, thinking about this text and thinking about this idea of our need is that we often try to take care of our own need. This happened all the way in the garden, all the way at the beginning of the story. They fall into sin. Their first response is to cover themselves. They make clothes out of fig leaves. They recognize that there was a need, that they needed something, and so they try to cover themselves. Thousands of years later, here we are, and humanity is still trying to cover themselves. They recognize that there's something not quite right inside of me. So we try to meet the need, but here's the thing. Jesus filling these jars reveals is that he's the one that purifies us. He's the one that takes care of that need. This wedding couple, they would have been left in shame, but Jesus comes and he covers them in the same way he covers our shame. The good news is that we do have a deep need, but the wine reminds us of the abundant sacrifice of his blood, that we are covered and saved by the blood of Jesus. 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We all need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. And that's where we find our purification comes from our healing comes from, is what he has done. We have a need. Praise the Lord. We have one, Jesus, who through his own sacrifice has met our need in abundance. We've been thinking about how encounters clarify. First, how encounters clarify who Jesus is. Encounters clarify who we are. And the last thing I want to think about, which I'm really excited for, is that encounters clarify our partnership. Encounters clarify our, our partnership. Know what's really exciting in this text is those that Jesus asked to help him. So we can hear uh, Mary, I, I just love Jesus' mom. Last week, uh, I love that we were thinking about moms a little bit. And, <laughs> but here we have uh, uh, Jesus' mom, and she says, do whatever he tells you. So now verse six, uh, uh, Jesus, or verse seven, Jesus said to the servants, fill, someone say fill the jars with water, and they filled them. Jesus said, gave them a command, fill them, and then they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some of the water out. Someone say, draw. There's another command of Jesus, not only fill them, but then after you filled them, take some of the water out, and then take it. Someone say, take. Take it to the master of the feast. Jesus has found some servants. He says, hey, Come over here. Can you do these three things? I want you to fill. I want you to draw. I want you to take. What's really exciting is that these servants are a fantastic model. Quite quickly, they fill it to the brim. They then take it to the master of the feast. And it mentions how they what, what the what the water they drew out and now become wine. Jesus is being intentional. Just as he was intentional to fill these purification jars, Jesus is intentional to invite people into this encounter, into this sign. Do we think Jesus could have done this by himself? Of course. He's God. He could have done it himself but Jesus intentionally invites the servants to be part of it with him. This encounter clarifies something about our partnership with God, and at least two things could be said. The first is that God chooses to work through people, or God works through people. Here's the thing, just in the same way that he worked through those servants many years ago, Jesus wants to work through his people today. The God in the earth works through his people to do incredible things. Now we recognize that it's his power. Jesus turned the water into the wine. It wasn't the servants that did it, but Jesus invites them to be part of the process. And Jesus invites you today to be part of his work in the world. That God works through people. God works through people. This is important clarity, but I also want it clarify something for us, is that obedience works a blessing. Obedience works a blessing. When Jesus called upon the servants, he knew that them sharing in the work would allow them to share in the blessing. That Jesus in his grace invites us to be part of his work and to be part of the blessing that it is as Jesus ministers to people in the world today. As God brings healing and encouragement and strength and salvation, he says, guess what? You get to be part of it as well. And we share this amazing privilege and blessing to be partners with God. We we want to be like these servants that when, when Jesus speaks, says, I want you to do this, we say, okay, let's do it and do it to the full. And then we get to share in the blessing of Jesus. What would this look like in the world today? It could take all sorts of forms. Jesus might speak to you while you're in your office working. And he might say, I want you to share this word with that person, a word of encouragement, whatever it might be. And you might say, man, this is, This is kind of scary, but I want to be obedient. Yes, and then God uses you to bring an encounter to somebody else. Here's the good news. We can carry encounters. That these servants that obeyed were part of bringing this encounter that brought clarity to Jesus. We today, when we partner with God, can bring clarity to the people that Jesus wants to bring an encounter to. Maybe the Lord asks you while you're walking around the mall and you see someone that's walking with a limp and the Holy Spirit whispers, I want you to pray for them. Could you imagine that this could be the life that we live where God could speak to us to bring encounters to other people? And then we take a bold step of faith and we pray and God could heal people. Now here's the good news. It's not our own power. It's not even about us. Signs don't point to us, but God invites us to be part of them. This is exciting news. Maybe as you're going through your day, you get a sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Random note, I would encourage you, when the church offers the course hearing God's voice, it could change the way you live your life because you recognize that God might be speaking all the time. He might be speaking to you while you're working, while you're going, while you're driving, and he wants to encourage you. So I'd encourage you, let's learn to hear his voice. But back to the story over here. Maybe you're going throughout your day and God says, I want you to give that person 50 bucks. Well, guess what? You now have an opportunity to partner with God and to carry an encounter because when you say, hey, I just felt God wanted to give you 50 bucks, guess what? It's clarifying to them that God sees them, that God loves them, that God can provide for them and he's their provider and we got to carry the encounter. Why? Because we were obedient. We get to step in and be those who in, carry encounters when we choose to obey the voice of God. And I want to encourage us to be those that when we obey God's voice, we do it to the full. When we bring an encounter, when we bring a blessing, when we bring an encouragement, we bring all of ourselves and we go all the way to the full. Sometimes God might say, Hey, I want you to give him 50 bucks, and we try to find the excuse to just give him 20. No, let's be those that say, God, if you want me to give this much, I'm going all the way to carrying an encounter and bringing a blessing to other people. We get to carry encounters. What a privilege we have. Here's the thing is that clarity is a choice. As we wrap up, clarity is in choice. Encounters and signs don't automatically lead to greater clarity if we don't pursue who the sign is pointing to. Did you know it's possible for you to have an encounter and then forget Jesus in the process? I've seen this happen. People literally healed by God. They pray, Lord, if you would heal me, then I'll follow you the rest of my life. They get healed, and then in time, they kind of, forget about it. But what we want to do is we're not those who are pursuing encounters, we're pursuing Jesus. The signs point to something. The wonders are witnesses and miracles are mentors that help us understand who Jesus is. But we need to be intentional to ask the question, what is this revealing about the character of God, of who he is? And here's the good news that when we pursue clarity, when we want to see Jesus more more accurately, is the Holy Spirit is going to help us. This is really good news that the Holy Spirit is a revealer, and he wants us to have greater clarity when it comes to knowing who Jesus is. John 15, verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. We all want to know Jesus more clearly. Good news, encounters will help, but also the Holy Spirit will help us understand and see Jesus more clearly. So let's ask him to help. It's part of what he wants us to do. We're not left alone in this journey. That we can ask the Holy Spirit, would you help me understand and see Jesus more clearly in my life? As I close, I, I want to think about two things. Is that my hope is this, is that as we navigate through this week, and is that you have an encounter with Jesus, maybe that's when you read the word, God speaks to you, whatever it might be, is that you would pause and ask the question and ask the Holy Spirit to bring greater clarity. What does this speak about who Jesus is? Maybe this week you even want to pause and think about an encounter that you have had with Jesus and ask Holy Spirit, what does this reveal about the character of God, of who he is, and what does this even say about me and my life? We want to grow in greater and greater clarity and understanding of who Jesus is. But I also want to pray as we close a dangerous prayer. Here's the reality all of us can carry encounters. If you're in Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides in you, you can carry an encounter. This week, God might ask you to say, to to do whatever it might be. And as you do that to bless and to serve, it can carry an encounter for someone else and that they might see Jesus more clearly. I was talking with a friend the other day, we were grabbing Starbucks, which did not sponsor this morning, but we were talking about the reality is sometimes an encounter is that God says, hey, your neighbor has a leaky faucet can you take care of that for them? Even in that, we can carry an encounter about the care and attention of the Father into their life. And that God wanna use people like you and like me. So what I want us to do this as we close, would you stand with me as we pray? I just wanna simply ask you this. If you would wanna join Jesus this week as a partner in his ministry to potentially carry an encounter where someone else would experience Jesus. What I want you to do is just ask yourself this question, do, you, do I wanna be a partner this week? And if you do, I wanna pray for all of us that would say this week, I wanna be intentional. This week, I wanna make room for Jesus to move in and through me. That we would say this week, I want my ears to be open to the voice of Jesus. If we we want to pray for those who would say that not only do I want my ears to be open, but I want to be ready to obey Jesus to the full and that Jesus might help me to use me to carry an encounter. It might be for my coworker, it might be for a family member, it might be for a stranger. But if you're here this morning, I want to pray for those that would say this week, I wanna be someone who carries an encounter. If you're one of those people, what I want you to do is just indicate that heart that says, yes, Jesus, I wanna carry an encounter, just by simply putting your hand up. And I wanna pray for all of us that would say, we wanna carry an encounter this week. I just wanna pray that God would come and by his spirit empower us to be those who carries an encounter. Here's the good news, one wonderful thing about Horizon Church, one of our values is this, is that we are those who go by Spirit-empowered and Spirit-led to bring encounters and blessings to the world around us. I love that we have to leave church because when we leave, it means we can go bless our community. It means we can be those who carry an encounter. So if you're here this morning and you'd say, I wanna carry an encounter this week, I wanna pray for us as we close. So, Lord of God, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you, you are a God of joy, that your kingdom is one of peace, your kingdom is one of fullness, and that Jesus, you choose your people to be carriers of your kingdom to be those who can carry an encounter. So God, I pray for everyone who has an intention in their heart, their hands lifted. God, that you would use them this week to carry an encounter. God, I pray for those who wanna be carriers of your presence, that this week in a fresh way, they would hear your voice more clearly. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that when you speak, that you would meet them with holy boldness to then walk into that encounter, that they would step in with radical obedience. And God, I pray that as they do so, that it would transform someone else's day, that they would see you more clearly. God, we want to surrender our lives to you this week to say that we want to be your servants and we want to humbly obey you and we want to be those who can carry an encounter that can change someone else's life. So God, we ask that you would use us and that we would share in the blessings of your kingdom as you move and heal and restore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.